Welcome to VPG's virtual water cooler chat podcast, where we share lessons and stories of women professionals to help empower other women and expand a greater circle of influence. So we walk our journey with those who understand and appreciate us. Today, we are going to chat with Brie Schulich. Brie is a patent scientist at David Wright Tremaine LLP and an evening law student at the George Washington University Law School, located in Washington, D.C. Bree specializes in patent prosecution across a variety of technical disciplines, including artificial intelligence, biotechnology, agricultural and pharmaceutical, chemistry, plants, food technology, and nutraceuticals. Prior to joining DWT, she spent time in the lab conducting molecular agrobiotechnology research, working on state, federal, and international science and agricultural policy and regulatory matters, and managing global business development in antibody discovery contract research organizations. She also serves as a student attorney in GW Law's Intellectual Property and Technology Clinic, a research assistant focusing on communications for GW Law's IP Law program, a senator in the Student Bar Association, and will be competing in the USPTO's National Patent Application Drafting Competition. In her spare time, Bree enjoys practicing plant-based nutrition and holistic living, solid core workouts under the blue lights, hiking with her dog, Kai, and riding her horse, Rico. Hello, Brie. Thank you so much for meeting and have this recording and our virtual water cooler chat. And yes. uh, especially on a Friday. <laughs> How dedicated, are we? <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it so much, Ashley. I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, I'm so happy that we found a time that was mutually beneficial for the both of us. Yes, I do appreciate that too. So first thing first, can you tell us a few fun facts about Brie and that most people do not know about? Sure. Yeah, I think one maybe unique attribute uh, is that my personality type is an INFJ, if you're familiar. It's introverted, intuitive, feeling, judging, um, and it's reported to be one of the rarest personality types, I believe. Uh, But it's also called the advocate, uh, which Mm -hmm. I found very aligned with my budding career, I guess, if you will, as as a patent attorney. And so it's also just been really interesting to to kind of gain self-awareness in that area and and something that I've I've really enjoyed. Um, And then I think also perhaps driven by that, um, I I typically define my career as a bit more of, of a jungle gym than a ladder per se. And um, so kind of, for example, finishing undergrad, I went and worked at Walt Disney World for a while and then oh. went to grad school and studied cotton cytogenetics and then regulatory science. And finally, I made my way to Washington, D.C. Um, to work on Capitol Hill and then ultimately to law school. So it's a little bit a little bit unique, I think. But so it's really intriguing of all of this is really intriguing but i am particularly intrigued by disney world yeah what did you do there yeah absolutely so i actually worked in the land at epcot and the 
within the land, there are um, a variety of, of agricultural greenhouses, if you will. And they also have a biotech lab that's in partnership with the USDA. Ooh. And so I worked in, in the biotech lab and um, as an intern for about six months. It was quite an experience, but I, I really enjoyed kind of like the entertainment educational aspect of, of science and specifically biotechnology. So, yeah, but it was it was fun. That's awesome. I mean, that is definitely very interesting. And I guess few people would actually know about it. So thank you so much right. for sharing that. Yeah. Now, what inspired you to become a patent scientist and an active member of the patent community? Because I see you on LinkedIn, social media, very active, and I love your posts. So do share. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you so much. I I think that my role as a patent scientist really is a is a bridge to that of a patent attorney, which is the ultimate goal. Um, so I was originally inspired to do so because it it made sense for me to uh, professionally to start practicing those skills um, of patent drafting and prosecution, which is specifically my experience thus far. Um, as soon as I could. And that was largely driven upon different courses that I had in law school, and that solidified my my interest and, and commitment to patent law. Um, and furthermore, in terms of um, trying to be active in the in the community, I I, I think it's it's quite multi dimensional. But first, it's a way that I feel like I'm hopefully going to be able to give back to so many other individuals who have inspired me, encouraged me, supported me, mentored me, sponsored me to get to where I am today. Um, so I really look forward to, to doing that for others. But in terms of the, the social media activity, I I attend law school at George Washington University as, as a part-time evening student. And so Right off the bat, when I started law school, I noticed a lot of the networking events were between about like 5 p.m. and 6 p.m. And at the time, I was working on Capitol Hill. So I would finish my work day at about 5, and I would get on the metro and like race over to Foggy Bottom. And ultimately, I would have a small sliver of time to meet to meet people. And so I thought, okay, Brie, you have to start maybe thinking outside of the box, getting a bit more strategic in terms of how are you going to meet more people? And so that's when I originally turned to social media, both LinkedIn and Instagram. And then, of course, those events no longer were happening when we all went virtual during um, the pandemic. And so that was, again, I think another catapult or push for me to, to continue um, networking with folks and sharing my story. And um, it's really been incredibly beneficial. And I think that's that's how we connected, Ashley. So I'm so grateful for just the, the various connections and opportunities that it's afforded me. There's a coincidence. Well, in my background, I actually went to GW for uh, the paralegal certificate program. So oh, when you were talking about when you were talking about like raising around, and I did an evening program as well. Uh -huh. So at the time, my the first firm that I work at is in Vienna, Virginia. Oh, wow. And um, so when I was choosing the program, I was like, you know, I would probably go to GW because the Georgetown campus is a little bit harder to get to right. <laughs> in the evening, right? So yeah. that's one of the reasons why I chose GW because they were like on K Street at the time for that particular program. So okay. usually like by like 
four or five hours just rushing on the metro, going there, <laughs> just barely making it. And one of my professor, he's a partner at a large firm. Mm-hmm. And at the time he taught me IP law. Okay. And um, at that point, you know, when I was actually doing the paralegal program, mm-hmm. I was actually in construction litigation. So it has nothing to do with IP. Right. I, I took like IP law from this professor and at the end he was talking to me. He was like, I think you would have a future in patent litigation. I don't oh, know wow. anything about science. He was like, you don't know anything about construction either. <laughs> <laughs> So like okay, okay, you know. So as soon as I finish mm-hmm. um, that course, and he was like, sort of pull me aside and talk to me, and I asked him a couple of questions. I said, well, you know, because in IP there's four areas. Mm-hmm. You know, you got patent, trademark, trade secret, and copyright. And he was like, you know, there are a lot of similarities between construction and patent. Oh, and I said, well, because there are a lot of specifications, you know, sure. when you have like the, the CPN critical path, you know, uh, schedule. And so a lot of things that are both scientific enough mm-hmm. that there's a little bit of uh, transferable skills that I, he thought that I would actually do well. And I did construction litigation. So litigation actually has a lot of transferable skills. Sure. And that's how I got started. And at the time, we did not have as much like social media. So I think like the networking, it's through, you know, how I network is through like professional organizations. Mm -hmm. So I used to belong to like the National Capital Area Paralegal Associations. And and now I am uh, part of the PTAP Bar Association. Mm -hmm. I am a non-attorney. So I'm categorized as an other member. Okay. <laughs> very, very important for me to disclose. I just finished like the the conference that we had mm-hmm. and we just finished on a very high note and everything was like really great. I don't know how much are you like involved in PTAP proceedings and mm-hmm. definitely an area that is very, it's growing and mm-hmm. I really find it very engaging, especially in the, the way that the conference where the judges, the USPTO, mm-hmm. um, and there's so much collaborations there. And yesterday we actually, were a, the association was able to get Director Vidal to be there oh, to wow. do a fireside eye chat in person. That's amazing. That is amazing. So, you know, something to think about. <laughs> Since you are yeah. in the pet and die already, right? Absolutely. I'm not quite sure where I read this, but mm-hmm. I really think that I am statement is very powerful. And I'm intrigued by the following quote. I witnessed innovation completely transform my community. I'm honored to support inventors who continue to enhance lives through technological advancement. Mm-hmm. What types of transformation have you seen? And would you mind sharing a few examples? 
Yeah, of course. Thank you for the, the question. So uh, in this statement, when I refer to community, I'm referring to where I grew up, which is um, on a farm in rural North Dakota. So when I say I've witnessed innovation, it's been in a variety of areas, but a lot of it as it pertains to agriculture and, and rural development. For example, that could include the, the development of new plant varieties with greater production potential, maybe disease resistance or drought tolerance. Um, also agricultural chemistries and biologics that have a more targeted approach that producers can use, as well as mechanical improvements um, like larger implements so that they are able to cover ground quicker, um, global positioning systems, like GPS, automation, and, and targeted irrigation. So all incredibly important innovations, I think, for supporting not only the national and global food supply and, and food security, ultimately, but also the economic vitality of the, the rural American economy. And so while I was growing up and kind of just amidst this entire ecosystem, I didn't maybe recognize it so much then, but now it's um, it's it's really has been imperative in shaping kind of my my career and the way in which I I view and appreciate uh, innovation. I think in the patent and intellectual property space as well. That's amazing. So I really find it very interesting how much you have, uh, how much connection you have with the agricultural technology. I think sometimes it's really amazing how our upbringing and our surroundings sometimes shapes our path or journey without mm -hmm. ourselves realizing it. I agree. And I think you say it very well. And sometimes, you know, when, when, when we're in the midst of it and we're navigating it and maybe we're seeing, at least in my experience, I'm seeing, oh, I'm, I'm limited here because I don't have X, Y, or Z resources. But in, in my case as well, it was that, understanding like that can-do attitude, the ability to kind of figure out whatever is in front of you. And from where I'm from, for example, there's not the ability to just go to Home Depot or order something on Amazon and have it delivered the next day. And so I think that that ingenuity and that innovation just does come second nature. But it wasn't until, you know, I went off to, to college, for example, in a city, and I, I removed myself from that community, temporarily at least, that I began to make those realizations, like you mentioned. So yeah, I definitely think that's a, an accurate statement. I think sometimes like that can do spirit, saying yes to get out of our own comfort zone. Mm -hmm. versus saying yes to be a people pleaser. Right. I think earlier in my career, I was mm -hmm. much more of saying yes because I was a people pleaser. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then now it's like, hmm, if I have to get to the next level, I need to get out of my current surroundings Right. And I need to, one of the executive coach that I know, uh, his, mis, his name is Mark Green, is that mm -hmm. you need to change your neighborhood. Oh, sure. It might be the most expensive piece of real estate in your neighborhood. If everybody's mm -hmm. coming to you and, you know, of course, service, helping is great, but you cannot be the most. It's not wise to do it that way. So I've taken that to heart. And mm -hmm. I've always 
you know, it's sort of like interesting. I've always had this, I uh, adopted my professor's uh, model that nothing venture, nothing gain. So it's like when people, other people would say, okay, we can do this. What? Yeah, we can. <laughs> right, right. So that people pleaser and then the nothing venture gain, nothing gain, it kind of go really well. So I becomes like, I can actually do a lot of things. It's, it's sometimes it becomes mission impossible. But mm -hmm. um, I just thought that now that I'm much older and when mm -hmm. I'm thinking about how some of those life lessons so interesting because when we were young we had no idea it's like why is this happening to us mm -hmm. you know but then there might be reasons and um sometimes very good reasons because you know sometimes there's lessons that we have to learn totally and so that's one of the reasons that I actually started um the virtual water cool chat Mm -hmm. for to share and also like my company as well so that I can actually share lessons and hearing other amazing women uh, like you I think sometimes we do not have enough opportunity for women to share our own struggle mm -hmm. to get to where we are because you know when we show up like in courtroom and you just have to be together right but how did you right. get there <laughs> Yeah. You know? So yeah. I think those are the lessons that are really inspirational. And that's why I want to start this virtual water cooler chat. Like you said, there's so much value and wisdom to be gained in the journey. And I'm certainly in the journey. <laughs> yeah, we are. are. Well, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And it's, yeah, you know, sometimes we don't choose our circumstances, but we do get to choose what we do with what we have. And I, I believe that I and, and likely yourself and many others as well, you know, that we do the best we can with, with what we have and what we know at the time. And then we continue to build that knowledge and make those decisions accordingly. And so I think that's, one of one of the beauties of life that I've enjoyed anyway. Yeah, I think one of the things, and nowadays is actually easier because there are people that study vulnerability, like Renee mm -hmm. Brown, Darren Gray, yes. and her. in the past is so much more difficult, especially in the legal system or the mm -hmm. legal industry. You're not going to go out and talk about all your weaknesses, right? You know, right. so this is like how you're going to like get hired, how you're going to get promoted, be on a partner track, that mm -hmm. type of thing. So I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned about that, especially when it's in connection with mental health in the mm -hmm. industry. Because stress is high, and when you are on a high stick, multi-million dollar you know litigation mm -hmm. sometimes it's not so it's definitely not easy to balance how do you balance work and play mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a great question and it's it's so it's such an important topic so I appreciate you bringing light to to this particular um topic and and yeah for me it's it's certainly a a balancing act and a bit of a challenge with, of course, you know, working full time in, in big law as a patent scientist, attending law school part time, and there's personal life. And ultimately, for me, it comes down to the fact that I have to prioritize care for myself. And the way that I, I do that or the mentality that I've developed is, you know, when I 
take extra care of myself, then I'm able to serve others and in an excellent way because I'm I've I've filled my cup proverbially first. And so I I do that in a variety of different ways. I've had to get pretty strategic and um kind of fit them in whenever I can. But I I of course I love like Pilates and, and yoga and hiking with my I have a rescue dog. But I also like I really enjoy creating in the kitchen and making healthy meals and snacks and recently gotten into uh, meditation as well. So anytime I'm like walking my dog or even cooking or something, I'm listening to meditation. And so also, you know, other things that I think kind of help balance is, is giving back in terms of mentoring or helping others. I've gotten to do some some pro bono work as well, which has been really rewarding. Um, and then ultimately, I know you mentioned like Brene Brown in that arena. I, I love all things personal development because again, I think that, you know, the more that I'm able to invest in myself, it only makes me better able to serve others and, and those um, kind of devote time to those passion projects that, that really do fuel me and hopefully fuel others as well. Yeah, I mean, meditation is not easy practice, obviously. <laughs> and I have been in the field for 25 plus years. Wow. All litigation, mm-hmm. about 21 or 22 is happening. That okay. the rest of them were like construction litigation. Mm-hmm. And especially when you have deadline and like you're there's so much tension. It's like, mm-hmm. we gotta get this stuff filed and it's almost midnight, you know, you gotta make sure and then your heart is pounding. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I've learned since I started my own uh, practice uh, supporting mm-hmm. pra- uh, practitioners is that I try to take care of myself a lot more by taking like breathing workshops. Mm-hmm. because that is really and because I tend to be really clumsy sometimes if I'm really stressed mm-hmm. sometimes I lose my balance and I would fall oh wow yeah sure. and then my um yoga teacher was instructor was actually telling me that it's really your body telling you that you need to slow down Mm. And then, you know, it's like, what do you mean slow down? I only got like 15 minutes. I cannot slow yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. So those are the things that life lessons that I was talking about is like, oh, why am I like boy? You know, it's because yeah. like my body cannot catch up. They're not synchronized. So I've actually started taking meditation, breathing exercise, Yoga, not very great at it, but you know, I do attempt and I try. Yeah, <laughs> try what you're I can showing do, up right? on your mat, totally. Exactly. That has been great. If you have to give some key lessons learned, what would be Bree's advice to others? Just name a couple. <laughs> yeah, totally. I have a couple different tidbits, but I think the first one is to remember that we're all figuring it out as we go. And some of us have just had more learning opportunities than others. And by learning opportunities, you know, sometimes people consider that failures. I don't like to use that word, but that's kind of kind of the notion and the and the the mindset that I try to reframe when I, I start to get frustrated with myself or maybe not knowing as much as I think I should, or whatever the case might be. I also think that 
we have a lot more power than we think we do as it pertains to our our mindset and adopting like a growth mindset and on that i do think that we attract what we want by being what we want and so if we're acting and showing up like the person we want to become you know ultimately that's how we're going to get there and so i found that to be also a a way to help improve my confidence and and different things like that so i wanted to share that and then i think lastly something that's been very true and fulfilling in my career thus far is um, embracing your curiosity and with that pursuing what sets your soul on fire even if it's outside the the normal structure in quotes of, of a career and I know using normal and career, you know, nowadays it's maybe there isn't any normal, but specifically in, in the legal field, there's still there still definitely is a track of, of normal versus maybe unique or less than normal. And so I think that with every opportunity that we pursue that we're excited about, it just adds additional perspectives and tools and skills that ultimately will um, will propel us forward in our, our career and will allow us to serve our clients um, even at an elevated rate. So those are a couple couple of thoughts I had that um, upon reflecting on, on different lessons that I've learned now and perhaps wish I had learned earlier. That's great. I have two comments. Yeah. First one is when you were talking about, I think like failures as such harsh words. Mm -hmm. And there, it, I'm going to, I read a lot and I listen to podcasts a lot. So I'm going to yeah. do a couple of recommendations. For sure. If you have not already known it already, so it seems like that you already have like all the keywords. <laughs> so have you read Carol Dreck's Mindset? I don't think I have. No. Yes. Um, he, she, she's really, really good. Um, so check that out. Podcast would be great. Or oh, I mean, actually, audiobook would be great. Because when I do walking sometimes, I'll just listen to a whole bunch of podcasts and audiobook. Yeah. So Carol Dreck is one of them. Mm -hmm. Simon Sinek, he has a podcast. It's called A Bit of Optimism. Ooh, okay. He wrote so many books. And that's kind of how I started shaping or modeling BPG. Because wow. it's much more infinite mindset versus scarcity or mm -hmm. like abundance versus scarcity, infinite Absolutely. versus finite, right? Yeah. So one of the things that he talked about is like, fail is really such a harsh word. And then he don't like it. He just like, just fall it. Because when you fall, you can get back up. Right. So I really kind of like that. And I that's how, kind of how I structure my mentoring program and sometimes I have to catch myself because I was uh I'm still recovery perfectionist <laughs> so sure. sometimes yeah. I get really frustrated I mean you know surviving the legal industry for 25 years if you're not a perfectionist <laughs> right <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. and um it'll be hard you know especially when you're outstanding you know so there's a certain type of I'm super type A. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so that is something that is not as conducive to my own, I would say, mental balancing, mm -hmm. wellness and balancing. And that's one of the reasons is like, kind of know yourself. And, you know, thankfully, I'm at that stage that I can know, so, okay, I can do that. It would be harder for someone that just graduated from law school. Said, "No, I don't think I'm going to do that." I mean, they could actually do it. 
to right. maybe go to another field or a certain type of culture and stuff like that. Big law may not be the conducive, but some some firms can actually you know accommodate. Mm -hmm. But just know the nature of the business, you know, yeah. especially in litigation. You know, you don't go to mm -hmm. litigation. In my opinion, but that's just one opinion. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, litigation is like, you don't really go there to look for mental wellness. Right. But what you can do is to negotiate and figure out, hey, I'm going to go to a trial. And after that, I'm going to take some time off. Mm. That's kind of how you, uh, that's how I have negotiated, negotiated my space. And I have traveled like to amazing places. That, you know yeah. so I was really thankful to a lot of the patent practitioners that I work with they were some of the most demanding ones they teach you so much that you don't you don't even realize until you I get, came out to be an entrepreneur because mm. I didn't know how to be scared sure. it was just like mission impossible oh, I, I guess I have to get it done Right. So those are the couple of comments that I just thought that I would share with you. Yeah. And I'm also curious, where has been the favorite, your favorite place that you've traveled? Switzerland. Oh, Switzerland. That sounds amazing. I've never been. I mean, the, the places that I really want to visit this year, and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to get it done, yeah. is I want to go to Iceland and Norway. Ooh. I and... lived in Iceland for a summer actually working. Oh, wow. I would recommend what do you do there? Yeah, I was, uh, it was when I was doing my undergraduate degree. So I was doing um, ecosystem ecology research. Oh, wow. So we were out in the highlands, like taking water samples and stuff like that. But yeah, I would definitely recommend a visit when you have the opportunity. So I've been to Iceland, but I have not been to Norway. Oh, okay. I went to yeah. Iceland during uh, Thanksgiving break years ago. Oh, um, okay. But I didn't get to see the Northern Light. So oh. I really need to go back because every friend, family that they go, so everybody sees the Northern Light. I'm like, I think I have to go back. And I just need to yeah. plan a, like, um, a long layover, a stopover. Mm. Iceland Air has those amazing deals. I just haven't figured out exactly what would be a good time. Sure. You know, yeah. now that you're running like your own business, you don't necessarily have like the pay leave. The other places I want to go is um, Alaska. Oh, yeah. I've not been. My mom has been with my dad and uh, when my dad was still alive. And mm -hmm. so I really wanted to do an Alaska cruise and then some expedition. So those are like some of the places. And then, of course, there's Australia, New Zealand. I thought yeah. I was go going to, don't tell me you have been there already. I haven't, no. Okay, well, that was my goal in 2020. Mm. And then the whole world shut down. So yeah. it has been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much, Bree. Yeah. I really appreciate yes. this. Yeah, thanks, Ashley. My pleasure. So great to chat with you. And thank you for everything you're doing for, for women and just for the patent patent community in general. So appreciate hey, it. <laughs> you are doing the same.